Tonight, public outcry reaches the ears of the Senate after the Jedi Council refuses to dispatch Jedi to the front lines of the Mandalorian conflict. And we continue our series looking at the Jedi Agricor, how these strange monks are helping develop revolutionary breakthroughs in agricultural methods and technology. Now for a look at galactic weather. How's the core looking, Kai? Right! All that and more at 11. Younglings, younglings, gather around the map reader and enjoy another episode of Hoth Topics. My name is Ian, your Jedi Barsenthor, and joining me this week is the evil man in evil clothes. John, how are you doing? What did you call yourself? Uh, Barsenthor. It's, uh... Kai, what's a Barsenthor? Do you remember the the definition? Uh, they're the, uh, they're like, uh guardian they're the protectors of the knowledge i think whose voice is that that would be kai our special surprise guest i thought i was glad i i I thought i could only i could hear him well i conjured him using the force sorcery yes yes indeed sorcery it was but i think that this very special episode of hoth topics needs a very special guest so welcome kai how are you doing uh pretty good Excellent. Kai, you and I met through Star Wars, actually. Yes, we did. We were both uh, members of the same guild in the Star Wars MMO, uh, The Old Republic. Yep. So it's really cool to have you here. Uh, what got you into Star Wars in the first place? Um, well, um, funny enough is uh, my, I've gotten to, I got really into Star Wars when, um, when I was about 10 years old. Um. Uh, I was playing the uh, original Battlefront games, and I played the first Battlefront, and then, you know, I didn't really know much about Star Wars when I first played it. I was like, oh, cool. Uh, killing other people as dudes in uh, body armor and helmets. Huh. And, and then um, I saw the uh, trailer of Episode 3 on TV, like, you know, one of those random TV uh, spots. Uh, right, when it was coming out. And then I was like... I want to uh I want to go see that movie and then um one of my uncles uh who watched Star Wars back in the uh, uh late 70s and he said okay I'll, I'll go uh take you to watch it and then when we uh when it came out and I was just very uh mesmerized by the whole experience I didn't know what was going on but I just knew that I thoroughly enjoyed it and towards the end of the movie uh, between the uh, epic duel between <clears throat> Anakin and Obi Wan, I was just very um, uh, immersed into. I really wanted to learn more about this whole universe and stuff, and ever since then, I've been thoroughly involved. Yeah, I can confirm you have been thoroughly involved. You went from playing Battlefront and not knowing anything about it to, for a short time, running a Star Wars role-playing guild. Mm. That is an impressive yeah. turnaround. So, Revenge of the Sith was the first film you saw. No, actually, I was living in the Philippines for about three years, mm-hmm. and the last year I was there, uh, Phantom Menace came out, uh, and my parents took me to watch it, and I have no recollection of it, but so... there, there, there I was holding a, a cup with a little Anakin and his little pod racer. Oh, that's cool. So, Revenge of the Sith was the first one you remember. Yeah. But not the first one you saw. Yeah. We have a lot of friends, John, who are introduced to Star Wars in very strange and abnormal ways, don't you think? We have a a lot of friends that were also born in the 90s. I was born in the 90s. I saw them the right way. You saw the original trilogy first? Yeah, I did. Oh, okay. Yeah. Fair, fair, Fair enough. Yeah. I will concede this point tonight. It was right before the... Episode 1 came out. I think it was like two years before. Oh, gotcha. I saw them in reverse order. Yeah. And I had no idea what they were. And Maybe. I actually thought that they were part of the He-Man universe. Because at my friend's house where we'd watch them, it was usually Return of the Jedi, He-Man Masters of the Universe Laserdisc, and then maybe Empire or A New Hope. But usually it would end with Masters of the Universe. Huh. That's... That is an interesting combo. I can kind of see how it works, though. Yeah, when you're, like, eight... 
when, the whole idea of like franchises don't make much sense. Yeah, it's the cool looking action figure and the other cool looking action figure on the cool looking battleship toy. That's all that matters. On the big silver CD. Correct. So, Kai, what was uh, one of what's your favorite character if you have one? When I first started out, it was uh, mainly uh, Anakin Skywalker because you know, Episode Three, right? And enamored in just all the uh, graceful fall, and then watching it, watching his story, uh, in a weird uh, rewatching uh, Episode One, then two, and then jumping to the original trilogy. I was all about uh, Anakin Skywalker, but then when the uh, Clone Wars uh, TV show came out on Cartoon Network, I got really uh, immersed and involved with uh, Plo Koon. Cause, okay, oh, cool. cool. Uh, at first, you know, I, I didn't know uh, what to make of him, but then as the uh, season progressed, you get to learn that he was the uh, main reason why Ahsoka was a part of the Jedi Order. Mm-hmm. And then learning about his backstory made him my favorite character of Star Wars. That's really cool. I don't. We keep meeting people who have love for all these obscure characters, and I'm I'm all for it. It's awesome. I have love for Plo Koon because he was my favorite character to play in Star Wars Jedi Power Battles on the Dreamcast, not on the PS2. That game was terrible. He had a yellow lightsaber in that game, correct? That's a lot of things you're asking me to remember right there. I'm pretty sure he had a yellow lightsaber, which incidentally is my <laughs> favorite color lightsaber. Awesome. That's really cool. Do you have a favorite film? Uh, favorite film wise, Star Wars specifically. Star Wars specifically, yeah. Um, <laughs> oh darn! <laughs> yeah, you can't you can't say the Godfather or anything. Uh, it was at, uh, admittedly, I was probably in the minority when Episode Three was still my favorite. Like, it's still, it's, it has a, a place in my heart since it's the one that jump started me into the uh, Star Wars series. But Rogue One has jumped to mm. number one. Really? Okay. Cool. Any specific reason why uh, that one took over? Because it uh, explored the aspect of non-Force users and non-Skywalker uh, family related. It was basically uh, the nitty-gritty um, focus on the characters that we don't see in the main storyline. Very nice. Very nice. Another another Rogue One uh, uh, super fan here. It's a great film. So, you know, I've got a question for you real quick. Since Do you now? kind of are jumping back and forth between Kai's first experiences and then, like, bouncing off our experiences. The first movie, the first Star Wars you saw, is that different from your favorite? Uh, yeah, it is. I okay. saw New Hope first. I saw I saw them in order, basically. And as a kid, I think my favorite was Attack of the Clones, because that was one where I was young enough to go to the theater and just enjoy the spectacle. But right now... Um, if I had to answer, it would be Empire Strikes Back just because of the interactions between Vader and Luke. I really, really like. Mm-hmm. I love Yoda. You know, all the Force-sensitive stuff that happens in that movie I really, really enjoy. And it's taking these characters that we already know and, like, really getting to know them more and getting more character development out of them. And it's kind of, you know, again, Empire is... And we mentioned this in our first episode. Empire is the quote-unquote correct answer that people give all the time. <laughs> but I don't think that I it's my favorite for those same reasons. Like, it's my favorite because it's the it's the one that... A New Hope put, put, the, put the nail in place for my love of the franchise and my, my interest in Force-sensitive topics. Mm-hmm. And Empire was the one that drove that nail in. Yeah, I I would say I would argue that from a film technical aspect, Empire is probably the best. I would most agree accomplished. with you. But like I like you, it's I wouldn't say it's my personal favorite. Right. Um, it's not the one that I go to when I'm bored mm-hmm. at home. For the longest time, uh, Return of the Jedi was my favorite one. Right. Mostly, I think that, and I think it's kind of like Kai where that particular movie was the first one that I remember seeing in the franchise. And so it's the one that, it's the one that got me hooked. So it's always going to have the bigger place in my heart. But also like I rogue one is, it's kind of, it's kind of pushing on it. Right. Yeah. It's getting there. I hear that a lot from people. And I think it's definitely because of the, the well-roundedness of the film. It gives us something new and it gives us something a little bit more gritty and down to earth, but it has the elements there 
of the people that we love in Star Wars mm-hmm. in those characters. So if you're like me and you're a Forcey fan, you've got your Chirrutim Way and Bays. I almost your said Boba Boz. Fett. <laughs> I almost said Boz. Your your Bays, and they kind of represent that. You know, follow the Force idea. If you're a big Han Solo smuggler fringe of bad guy yeah, good guy you've, you've got, got cassian. cassian and a little bit of Jin in there Jin, you know becomes the the symbol of hope towards the end i think she's got a little bit of leia luke combo going on oh definitely um you know you've got k2so who covers your your droid lovers so that movie has a lot of elements to keep everybody happy while also providing something new and it's been jumping to the top of people's lists since it came out, at least people that I talked to, and there are other there are people out there who are just like, eh, don't really like it. But majority wise, you know, I think it, it reaches the top half of a lot of people's lists. And I think it's I think it's because it doesn't have the weight of the other movies of the main story. It's just kind of a dumb fun adventure, right? Kind of like there's a lot of Marvel movies that are very serious in the the new MCU, uh, and then there's some like uh, Guardians where they're it's just kind of it's just fun. Yeah, they may not be the best movies, but they're just fun, right? And I think we're going to see more of that with these uh, the spinoffs. The spinoffs. We're going to see. We're going to go super deep, serious in some, and we're going to go super nonsense, whatever, yeah. with others. And I think that is a good thing because we're going to get yes. more, and we're going to get varied. So, on on the note of the experience of Star Wars, Kai, do you have a favorite? Star Wars experience that comes to mind, something that is really sticks out in your head. Really sticks out into my head was like right after seeing episode three. I remember wanting old uh pop out not not like the one that you swing out lightsabers with the uh the themed uh like Obi Wan or the uh the spring loaded the, the, the ones. Spring loaded Anakin uh sabers and I remember wanting that for my birthday so bad. And like you know, parents like to wave it off, and then come my birthday, like see this long, enormous box wrapped into uh, gift wrap, and I didn't paint because you know I'm like it's probably a long line of clothes because you know kind of <laughs> kind of being a uh, raised in a a lightsaber box shaped <laughs> container of socks, and then um, when it came time to open the presents, and then I opened it. It was actually Anakin's uh, pop-up lightsaber, and I remember. Oh, nice! I remember uh, tearing the box, uh, tw- just ripping it to shreds, just wanting to get this saber out of the box as fast as possible, and then forgetting that it needs batteries. So when I turned it on, <laughs> it's spraying open. I was like, "Why is it not turning on?" And then I was trying to figure it out for like five minutes. And I was like, "Oh, batteries!" Put in batteries, turn it on, and just. Swing it, uh, swing it at things, swing it at the wall, swing at my brother. <laughs> you know, Good target. Trying to, uh, you know, be Anakin Skywalker, <laughs> and just having fun with the thing until um, he just broke. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome, man. Awesome. Well, thank you, Kai, for joining us uh, for this episode of Hot Topics. John has a discussion he'd like to. <laughs> I'm not going to use the word inflict because I I'm, am. So I don't want to say I'm getting, you're inflicting anything on me. Um, however, you had an idea for a topic today, and it's it's certainly going to be an interesting experiment. So uh, a couple days ago, uh, as I was driving to work and from work, which is when I have my most fantastic thoughts, <laughs> uh, I had a very specific thought that I wanted to talk, like call you and talk to you about for a a topic on the show. However, I knew that what I was going to say might be hard for you to not get yeah. upset about without me getting my full thought out. Didn't want me to get nerd ragey. Yes, because I, I know how sensitive you are to certain topics in Star Wars, and I don't want to hurt my unique snowflake of a friend. Dude, you <laughs> Okay. So what I've, I've done here is I've created a prepared statement that I will read to Ian and that has three questions at the end. I kind of gave him a, a one-sentence primer on what he should be looking up or researching, 
but it's it's kind of this idea I have of, of like us having conversations where one of us does a little bit of research and then just drops a topic on the other and then we see where it goes from there. I wrote at least three pages of possible counter notes. Yeah, when he told me he did this, I realized I may have misled him in what I was trying to do. But yeah. that's that's quite all right. I had to reassure Ian on multiple times as I was working on this that I am not intentionally trying to prod the bear yeah, sort of thing. You see, I had to reword some of my sentences so they weren't so antagonistic. <laughs> you wouldn't have had to do any of that if you had not one episode prior created a segment called Let's Piss Off Ian and made a theme no, song No, no, no. It's it. Will This Piss Off Ian. It's not. It's just to find out if you will. This is, however, not supposed to be one of those segments, but it may as well turn into one. And I have the theme song queued, I just am, in case. I am going to be very open-minded and try to to change your mind on these things. And then, if that doesn't go well, I'll just have Kai for backup. So now, <laughs> I will proceed with reading my prepared statement, but I will be turning off Mike's er, Ian's mic. That won't help so, you. I'm loud enough. It's true, but some of your groans will be muffled. <laughs> Let's all right, begin. all right, all right, all right. I would like to point out that I had to rewrite this like four times because as I was doing my own research, I realized that I lost track and I actually wrote that inside some of the sentences that I've lost track. So please bear with me, Ian. Also, audience and anyone else. Like Kai? Also Kai, yeah. He can, he, he'll be fine. I'll be fine. Prepared statement now. The Jedi Order were a self-described and arguably self-appointed militant peacekeeping organization of the galaxy since before recorded time, or pronounced A-level canon. For this particular discussion, I will only be referencing canon sources. I will give leniency to examples from Knights of the Old Republic or The Old Republic Online, because I'm not sure whether or not these have been struck from canon or if they're somewhere in the C or lower class. At some point in the galaxy's history, the Republic and the Order became linked, and the Jedi became the enforcers of Republic law being dispatched to mediate in disagreements between member systems when regular Senate channels failed. Uh, some examples of Old Republic uh, enforcement or uh, upholding is the Jedi, the Jedi declare slash lead a war on the Zygerians when they refuse to abolish slavery as demanded by New Republic laws, or Old Republic New Laws. That's a very difficult sentence in my brain to think of. Uh, another example is the conflict with Mandalore. Like like Star Trek Klingons, I recognize it's hard to negotiate with a society that believes peace through anything other than conquest is dishonorable. Uh, but the Jedi really didn't pick this fight. Uh, and my last example here would be the Sith War, a war caused by the differences in religion. Similar situation is above as the Order is fighting for survival. And not really... Uh, instigating the fight. Uh, with the major conflicts in the galaxy concluded, the Jedi embraced a less militant role in the Republic. As the Republic disarmed, the Jedi became the enforcers of, or upholders of Republic law and less like a specialized milita uh, militant arm, taking on a negotiation role once again. Uh, there are many real-world examples of civilian religious law enforcement organizations that are sanctioned by ruling governments. Uh, Probably the most famous of these is the Committee for the Promotion of Virtue and the Pre Prevention of Vice of Saudi Arabia, who, until 2009, could enact physical punishments with canes and whips on those they deemed to be breaking Sharia law. Uh, another unexpected example could be the Spanish Inquisition, who looked to enforce Christian law in areas controlled by the Catholic Spanish monarchy. I don't want to go too much into real-world religion. Uh, the above were just for a real-world reference, and that's not uh, what we are debating on the show. Uh, there are also examples of neutral military forces being used in conflicts as a buffer between opposing forces, uh, such as the United Nation. Uh, they've been doing this for decades. They're as easy to recognize as Jedi with their white-painted vehicles and blue helmets. These units in a peacekeeping force are drawn from member states and are sent in to maintain a peace uh, and not used as an offensive force, which is probably why in Hollywood movies they're unfairly portrayed as useless and far more of an annoyance. So Ian, here are my questions for you. 
are three of them. Would you like me to read them one at a time and you answer, or would you like me to read all three of them and then you go from there? Let's do one at a time, and that way we can get Kai into the discussion as well. Okay, cool. Uh, So question one. Is it right for the Republic to give law enforcement powers to a religious order whose morality slash worldviews may be different from the cultures slash star systems that they are now obligated to uphold? Well, first off, John... Also, you... I recognize that's kind of a leading question, but you... I think you understand. Yeah, but you're, you're kind of backing me into the corner with only allowing me to use canon examples and because there is not enough canon material on the Jedi Order's past in the current canon. So I it can can I I uh, as a request, I would like to know if I can use some legends sources uh, because it is I, way more uh, We we did we talked a little bit about the Jedi Order and canon a little bit earlier today, not in our podcast. Uh, I wasn't aware about how much had been stripped. Um, Basically, we were talking about something it. different. For my personal examples, just a few minutes or a few moments ago, I only wanted to use canon. But if you have non-canon references, the yeah, I'm, I'm fine with it. Okay, cool. Actually, you know, before... I, I didn't want to back you into a box. That wasn't right. the intention. But I can realize how the question totally sounds like I am. Well, no, it's it's <laughs> not it's not about the question. It's just the the because I can answer the question. I think with a satisfactory answer. But I need to draw on some of those sources to do so. But before I do, I actually want to get... Uh, Kai, I want to get your two cents on the question before I answer mine. Because basically this episode is going to be me talking for a while about a lot of things. So I want to make sure everybody gets a say. Uh, yeah, um, can you uh, repeat the question again? Absolutely. Is it right for the Republic to give law enforcement powers to a religious order whose morality or worldviews may be different from the cultures or star system or maybe different from the cultures of the star systems that they are now obligated to uphold. Um, well, I mean, it all, I would honestly say that it all depends on what is the Republic going through in the moment of time. Cause, uh, in, uh, legends, uh, the Jedi were normally there to, uh, you know, help and keep peace when, uh, I'll say, uh, Back, um, how how would how far would you say uh, were uh, when the Jedi had to uh, essentially had to step in when the Republic was demilitarizing? Uh, are you asking for canon or legend? Legends, legends. Le- yeah. Um, or if you have both. Yeah, I have yeah, both. Uh, both would work. Basically, uh, we don't really know when the Jedi joined the Republic in in current canon. Mm-hmm. It just sort of it happened at some point. Yeah. That is all we really know. And sometime after that, they demilitarized. In terms of the Legends thing, the first instance, it, it was it, it's pre-Sith. Definitely, it's a pre-Sith mm-hmm. conflict when they, when they joined the Republic. And it was, initially, they didn't, they knew of the Republic, they stayed away. Mm-hmm. The Jedi stayed on... I think they were at Osis at the time. They moved from Tython to Osis after yeah. after a Force War. But they were on Osis, and they just... They, other Force traditions came to them to learn, and they absorbed and built their culture out of that. But they avoided conflict. It wasn't actually until... Would you say around almost Mandalorian Wars time? Or? No, it, it was much before that. When the Jedi had another civil war on, on Osis... And the Republic decided that they wanted to back the Jedi because their ideals were in line with Republic ideals. Mm-hmm. So the Republic actually sent aid to the Jedi in that in that conflict, and tensions between them uh, were better. And the Jedi did join, but there are at least one, maybe two. I'll have to check my notes. Instances where the Republic did something that the Jedi were not all about, mm-hmm. and the Jedi they they exited. And came back. So that happened at least once, I think maybe twice. No. And again, that is that is a legend source. Yeah. When they did join the uh, the Republic, did they join as like a member state almost, or did they join as the you know the law enforcement sort of thing that we see in the prequels? Neither. Mm-hmm. Uh, Neither. They joined yeah. as 
Well, closer to the state thing. Okay. They joined as we are these monks who can use this power known as the Force, and we recognize the Republic as the governing entity that is in line with our ideas. But they, it took years. It took to a different conflict to get the Jedi involved in military and peacekeeping operations. Gotcha. So actually, the Jedi warned the Republic that there was a conflict coming. The Republic did little to prepare, and because of that, because they were unprepared, the Jedi entered the conflict as commanders for the Republic, very similarly to how we see it happen in, in the, the Clone Wars. In the Clone yeah. Wars. Okay. But after that conflict, and this is the example I was talking about, uh, in order to secure victory, the Republic wiped out an entire world, uh, and the Jedi cut ties with them then and there, because they were horrified with the actions. After that, they didn't rejoin the Republic until there was an insane Chancellor that nearly destroyed it. Basically, think Palpatine, but... Like, overboard. (laughs) Overboard. Like, he went nuts and was tearing everything down and declaring himself a warlord and splinter groups. The Jedi did essentially what they attempted to do to Palpatine, which we'll get into, I know, at some point. But they they succeeded, and they had the support of the Republic, uh, the common people, I guess behind them to do it and they actually installed a jedi as chancellor until the republic could fully rebuild yeah so those are both two extreme examples of the jedi not being involved in republic politics and the jedi completely being involved in republic politics the great hyper the after after the great hyperspace war that led to the creation of the sith that's when we get the relationship that we see in the films more or less okay so uh, back back to the the question at hand: uh, Is it okay for the Republic to give power to a religious organization whose views might be different than the uh, than the people of the the government? Kai, you were you had a you had a say on that? Yeah, so. uh, it's just the Jedi won't. Well, I mean, it all depends on the situation. If the Jedi wish to be as involved or as not involved as they want to be, because. In the end, all the decisions the Jedi do make is not based on one person's decision. It's on the consensus of the entire council. So, I, I, I'm gonna. I, I'm sorry, John. I'm gonna go more into a history lesson here to to help answer the question. But one of the things that we see in in Star Wars extended universe and legends and all these stories is we have the cyclical rise and fall of good and evil Mm. of these factions that we see in the films but this is something that happened over millennia I think it's important to understand that the Jedi are not the same Jedi that they were like in the movies Luke Skywalker's Jedi aren't the same Jedi as Yoda's Jedi Right. Mm -hmm. and Obi-Wan Kenobi is not the same as an old mentor as he was when he was Qui-Gon Jinn's Padawan Mm Mm-hmm. We see in the, the movies, galactic power chains hands three times within a normal human lifespan. And what we have to consider is, is thousands and thousands of years of history behind both the Republic and the Jedi. So to answer your question, I think it's important to understand that there's a difference between the Jedi Order and their beliefs and religion and the Republic state, because the, 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 the religion of the Jedi is not the same as the religion of the Republic. It's not a religious state. Right. I think that my personal theory is the Jedi aren't a tool of the Republic. They're a partner. They are the one force following of many, and there are many force followings out there. Some benevolent, some neutral, some antagonistic uh, throughout all of time. Uh, in this galaxy, they are the ones that are most akin to the Republic's value. Whenever there's any kind of power, there are going to be groups within it with benevolent and malevolent intentions, uh, and, you know, everywhere in between on that spectrum. The Republic needed the Jedi to survive against other magic user factions, essentially, just as the Jedi need the support of the Republic to provide a to survive against forces that outnumber them, because a lot of these conflicts come from well, there are these people with this magic power and they disagree with each other. So I think it's a symbiotic relationship other than a a we are the state and we are allowing these monks 
to be our our arm our arm basically okay yeah and you have to consider too even though the republic demilitarized they they demilitarized as a galactic force they relied on system uh police forces and militias and system armies to police their own kind of areas so the jedi were the ones that were called in not just to beat things down but to be the diplomatic voice when those things had failed yeah, and and we we see that in the very beginning of uh the phantom menace where uh obi-wan and Qui-Gon Jinn, I kept wanting to say Anakin, my brain was saying, that's not correct, John. That's because uh, Kai keeps saying Anakin. <laughs> Anakin. Anakin! 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 Uh, so the, they're on the, the Trade Federation vessel, and they realize, well, they almost get killed, but they don't they don't sit, sit around to try to force the Republic's hand on the Trade Federation. They, they get off the ship to, you know, warn Nebu, sort of thing. Where they weren't being sent in to be the big stick of the Republic to right. uh, to force the Trade Federation to change, but to to do the negotiation. But when the negotiation didn't work, they they did something else. And another way to look at it, I know I mentioned the symbiotic sort of theory, which is the one I personally subscribe to. But another way you can look at it is more of less of the Jedi imposing their will on the Republic, but the other way around, because the Republic wants to have the Jedi partnered with them because they want to have some amount of say and sway with a force user group. Things do not go well for them when there are conflicts with other force traditions involved. Mm -hmm. So they want to have their own space wizards on retainer (laughs) and the Jedi theology works best with the Republic's ideals. I I hope that answers the question. I think I overcomplicated it. The, the the these the questions I wrote they don't they don't really have a definite uh, definitive answer. Uh, I wrote them mostly to kind of do exactly what we did, which is start a discussion. Right. Uh, they're a little bit open ended, and I, I'm, I'm yeah, I'm we, fine with that. At as, the long end of, as long as you're satisfied. Yeah. At the, the at the end of the day, we are talking about the politics of a fictional universe. I I so. most certainly have <laughs> it's a movie for twelve year olds written somewhere in my notes. But uh, <laughs> you you were talking about kind of the the demilitarization of the Republic. One, that's one of the things that I've, I've always kind of wondered is in Attack of the Clones, in a new, or in a Phantom Menace, they, they talk about how they don't have a Republic army. Right. So I've always kind of wondered if the, the, uh, the nation states, so to speak, nation systems kind of maintain their own. And, and I mean, that's kind of obvious because you know, the, the Naboo had a defense force. Right. Uh, yeah. They had starships, the trade federation had warships, obviously. And so it, it kind of seems like the only militant force that was greenlit by by the Republic on the home on the capital world uh, was the Jedi, and then they're not. I wouldn't say they're they're naturally militant. It just kind of kind of happens because they have this power. Well, yeah, and it, it's not just that they have this power; it's that they lots of people have this power, and they are forced to fight for their survival. Right. In terms of the the green lighting of the thing, at least in Tor, they have Coruscant security forces. Yeah. At, which acts as the police slash military of... Basically the big the Coruscant. body. And we even see that, too, in Clone Wars. Um, that, that still exists, and it's separate from... Yeah, the, the only one I could really think of in the Clone Wars, which, which would be a non... Uh, galactic government associated military was the the Umbaran that the clones fought. Well, yeah, and I guess then, the Geonosians kind of had a standing army. Geonosians had a standing army. Um, the uh, I think that I think in the prequels they in that area they I think a studio production sort of thing was to kind of move away from having humanoid antagonists. Right, and just replacing them with droids because then you can have Jedi chop up droids. So I think it's more of a thematic reason why you don't see well, and the same, Jedi chopping up uh, and biological. Exactly, and the same reason why the Republic said we need a Grand Army of the Republic. Uh, Sidious is wiggly fingers in the pies, notwithstanding, is that 
the separatists said our defense forces are not good enough we need to have a galactic scale mm-hmm. military for our new nation and so the grand army of the Pub- republic in in the eyes of the people who were unaware that Sidious and uh, Dooku and manipulated events that led to the creation of the the Grand Army of the Republic, their thought of it is this is a response to the the CIS uprising and forming a galactic army. This and is and our that, that does actually kind of feed part of my my official second question. Uh, which is, uh, did Master Sifo-Dyas have a point about creating a military force for the Republic, you know, in secret with Darth Tyrannus? Darth, that, that was his Darth Darth Tyrannus. Uh, so, was, uh, did Master Sifo-Dyas <laughs> uh, have a point of creating a military force for the Republic, even though he was being, uh, or him being deceived into doing so, notwithstanding? Because a, a result of, of this action does kind of lead to the, the Jedi being used less as that military force, a law enforcement force, when they have a government standard military force in the clones. Well, in your defense, uh, in defense of your argument here, the they had the standing army with the clones, but then they put the Jedi in charge of that right. army. So, uh, Kai, I'm going to let you take off on this one first, because then okay. I have another history lesson. <laughs> with what Sifo-Dyas did... And the whole uh, clone uh, creating the army behind the lines kind of thing. In an honest answer and opinion, if the Jedi did uh, know about this and the council, a side of me would have probably think that they would be in agreement because as you've seen with Legends, you have people like Count Dooku and Qui-Gon Jinn who had views of the Republic and how... Um, Jedi don't really have much of a place being in with the Republic and how they saw how um, I guess the government or some um, aspects of the government uh, were um, misusing the uh, the ideals of how the Jedi are supposed to be and how uh, some of the uh, members of the order were being misused so I would believe that if that if the council and the order as a whole would have known about this army. I'm sure they would have been a bit more on board than uh, when it was just uh, flat out revealed to them that suddenly there's this uh, clone army of well over I don't know how many uh, clone troopers were there right when they were revealed. Maybe. That is not a number that I have off the top of my head. <laughs> I'm gonna just say around fifty between the, the, like five and a lot. <laughs> I'm gonna. I'm just gonna ring uh, ring it here and say fifty thousand clone troopers. Oh, I would say it's more in the hundreds of thousands. And if two hundred fifty, maybe. And I don't know. We'll look. You've seen later. how the uh, <laughs> response, uh, uh, Yoda, uh, was when the sudden appearance and news of this clone army. To if they would have known earlier, then I'm pretty sure the uh, transition. Of the Republic's, I mean that the Jedi's involvement into the Republic would have a lesson uh, more over time once the clone army was finished. Mm-hmm. Then, then, then rather than being its spring on them, and then suddenly uh, the Republic uh, having to say, "Here, hey, uh, you Jedi over there, take this army and go ahead and uh, do what you need to uh, to gain us victory." Do you, do you think it'd be something similar to what Ian was saying earlier, the the cyclic nature of of Star Wars, that after the Clone Wars, after the Jedi's military military involvement with the clones being their commanders, that it would kind of go back to a thing of well, there's no conflict anymore. The Jedi don't need to be. I'm I'm in pretty charge. Sh- I'm pretty sure if the Jedi would just be as what they would just be intended to be, which is just an, an advisory role instead of a more direct involvement. If okay. that were to happen, I'm pretty sure uh, probably they would have more time to, I guess, solve uh, the mystery on what Dooku told Obi-Wan on 
uh, Geonosis when he was quote unquote captured at the moment of time. I think the the biggest reason why the Jedi go to war, and I'm speaking historically as well as uh, in in reference to the Clone Wars, is it it's something that they always do that they preach against, and this is a big flaw. It's they fear the dark side, and every conflict that they've entered has been to do one of two things. Either save a bunch of people because some of the Jedi were too neutral, uh, or they entered the conflict because they feared whatever dark side uh, entity was involved. We see this in the Clone War itself. They knew because of Maul's appearance that the Sith had returned and were plotting to do things. They were so afraid of that happening that they were willing to throw their lot in, protect the Republic, and by extension, protecting the Jedi, because it's a symbiotic relationship, uh, against that threat without even really understanding it. And I think that's one of the biggest reasons why they fell. But the Jedi Order has fallen and come back multiple times. It's it's that issue of balance. Um, there must be a perfect, you know, what what does that even mean? There, are, every Force tradition interprets that differently, and I have my own theory on the, the way the Jedi interpret it. But the thing to remember is that the Jedi Order has started, risen, come into conflict, fallen, and started again. And in that, in that starting point, that there always is one. There's always a starting point. These people, these Force users who follow the light, have the power to help save life and stop harm. And they feel like they should use it. They should be wary of the dangers of letting passions rule them, but understand that these passions and emotions are natural, sentient parts of life and turn into part of the Force. And that's kind of a, an ideology that we see with Qui-Gon Jinn. But that's always the point that the, the Jedi Order starts. Luke, Yoda, Qui-Gon, Obi-Wan, uh, Revan, uh, Mitra Surik, who restarted the, the Order in Knights of the Old Republic 2 mm -hmm. after it got decimated during the, the Revan's conflict. Um, Anakin at his peak, Kyle Katarn. All of these people understood it one way or another. They were very center light. They, were, they weren't gray. But they were like, the light side of the force is a good way, but we have to we have to kind of not go overboard with our rules, regulations, restrictions, understand that people are just gonna be people no matter what, and just strive for the goodness. When it's only when the order grows large enough and fears failure, when the fears of failure overshadow the mission of peace, that's when we see the Jedi fall. So yeah. That's that's kind of why I think they they threw their lot in with the clones. As for Sifo-Dyas, did he have a point in creating the clone army? Yeah, I think he did. I think Kai's point is good. He saw he he may have seen an opportunity to remove Jedi even further from the need to be militant. This kind of backfired. But you can That's that's the way that I kinda saw it in that story in the Clone Wars is that he he did it with with the intent that kind of intention to get the order kind of back to its roots of, you know, not being this galactic crusading force. Well, I don't think it really was a galactic crusading force at the time of the the creation of the the clone army. I, I would agree. I would agree that at, at that time, but I think. But there are historical examples of that being fact. Exactly, and with without a grand army of the Republic being present, the Republic could call on the Jedi to become that again. But with with the clones' presence, uh, it was less likely that there would be the need for that. But right, and well, and then that's, commanders and generals instead. That's where that. That's where that fear comes in that fear is a powerful thing the jedi feared the dark side overwhelming them and the uh republic feared failure so much that they wanted their best most valuable resource in charge of this army 
and both of them fell because they gave in to that. They were just... And we, oh. <laughs> it, it would be good to point out that uh, the person in charge of this, uh, appointing them, was also uh, not really keen on the Jedi having any more power. A Sith? <laughs> Lord? What? <laughs> you were going to say something, Kai? Um, I was just going to say that... Um... Uh, that um, I was just gonna say that that same fear, um, like if you were uh, to watch all the Clone Wars and uh, along with the prequels, you would see that the Jedi were this close onto solving uh, solving this whole mystery of you know how did this Grand Army was uh, made? How are we uh, missing all uh, like Maul? And then suddenly, uh, uh, you know, when, what do you call, uh, what's his name? When Dooku left the Order, then he uh, started, uh, then they started to see him as a sudden risen Sith. And um, if you were to read some of the, uh, I guess, the uh, books, uh, books, uh, movies to books, and how they, uh, how they came across uh, Obi-Wan telling the council about uh, Dooku's warning and that uh, this fear that you know this this fear that it may be true that they were this close onto solving it but it was kind of too little too late into doing so and uh, it's that same fear that um, I would say drove their one one up uh, life being that Anakin into probably pushing the favor and you know yeah. ending ending the threat of the Sith, but with them you know not trying not believing and being fearful on what on the surroundings and on Anakin was pushed them to their inevitable fate uh, in, uh inevitable fate of uh, falling uh, from the high pedestal to their um, downfall. Yeah, I the, the I didn't even think of the the Anakin thing until you mentioned it. Anakin throws a huge spanner in the works because he is said to bring balance to the Force. What the Jedi think that mean, I have a theory on. Um, I'll get to it in a second. But this is happening at a time he he has appeared at a time of grand scale conflict between light and dark. So they their fear of not you know, being able to hold on to Anakin as a resource, as a, this is the chosen one, we better not lose him, is what eventually made them lose. So what, I guess one of the things that I'm trying to say here is the Jedi Order that I love, the one that I feel is the ideal version, is not what we see in the prequels. That is them at the peak of their power, the height of their fear, and the beginning of their folly. And we've seen that in many conflicts in the past, EU-wise, uh, Legends-wise. And we see it going forward as well. Uh, Luke Skywalker's fear of losing Kylo Ren, much like the Jedi Order's fear of losing Anakin Skywalker, is what led to them losing them in the first place. My ideal is what these people come to be after those things. Luke Skywalker became the ideal Jedi in the original trilogy for me. He struggled against the darkness and came out on top because he understood that the old way is not, is, is not the best thing. Revan did the same thing. Mitra Surik did the same thing. Every instance of rebuilding the order starts with somebody going in and saying, we, we did this all wrong. We, we held on to control too tightly. We need to understand that we're all just people and do our best. And that is where I think uh, the, the words that Yoda says in, in The Last Jedi are probably my favorite part of that entire movie it's when he says he did my words not did you pass on what you have learned strength mastery hmm, but weakness folly failure also yes failure most of all the greatest teacher failure is we are what they grow beyond 
that is the true burden of all masters. And I think that is a very small sentence that Yoda was saying to Luke, but it exemplifies the cycle that the Jedi go through in terms of the combat, conflict, fall, revival, realization, stricter rules, bigger growth, conflict, fall, blah, 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 blah. I like how I ended that with blah, 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 blah. I appreciated that. I think the answer to my question is this entire, somewhere in there. This, uh, yeah, right. This uh, entire... and I don't think anything in the last five minutes had anything to do with Sifo-Dyas, unless you go down like a line of thought. But yeah. I think it definitely was yeah. a line of thought yeah. thing. But yeah. the, the end of the, the, I think the point the, to answer your question about Sifo-Dyas is that did he have a point? Yes, it was. If we create this grand army of the Republic. We won't have to be the warriors. We can go back to just being the diplomats, the advisors, and occasionally keepers of the peace mm-hmm. if we absolutely need to go to violence. And then it just backfired on him. Right. Sidious is all too knowing. <laughs> yeah, Sidious just sitting in his chair with his hood up going, do it, do it, do it, do it, do it, do it. Do it. So I've got, I've got one last question. Hopefully um, it, we can answer it. I, I am... <laughs> Without I am 90% sure that it has been answered like five times. Sure. But All I right. said I had three questions, and so I'm going to read the third one. Question three. As a bonus question, have the Jedi, has the Jedi Order always been militant, uh, or did that evolve from a with great power comes great responsibility uh, line of thinking? Uh, yeah, it's, it's that line of thinking that just starts the cycle. Gotcha. It's... it's we are peaceful. We follow the. We follow life. We follow the light side. And they came. It's important in, to notice that in, in in and and we have a friend who is very insistent on reminding of us of us of this point that the Jedi came from a neutral, a force neutral sect. Mm-hmm. They came from the Jedi, which no, I'm not just butchering the thing. That's actually that how help. it's pronounced. <laughs> Who were they were that all their entire goal was just to to research the force, both the light and the dark. That's the 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 bogon and uh, what's the light side called? I have it in my notes. Ashla. Whenever you have power, whenever you have that power, that question is going to arise. We have great power. Do we have great responsibility? That's kind of what the light side people thought. And the dark side people were like, no, this power was given us to rule and to exploit for our gain. Mm -hmm. And no matter how neutral you want to be in that when when presented with superpowered people, I mean, this is not this is not unique to Star Wars. We see it in superhero comics. We see it in. You know, real life stories. Uh, we see it in historical examples. Whenever somebody has power, they make a decision on what to do with it, and that is ever more enhanced when you look at magical power, right? Mm-hmm. So, even if you spring from, you're going to have those fringe elements that are eventually going to come into conflict. It's just inevitable. And you know, there are gray Jedi out there who say, "Well, I'm gray. I'm in the center," but they're comparing themselves to the extremes. Really, it's a gradient. So I think a lot of people who feel that they are gray Jedi supporters, they really kind of fall more on the light side than the dark. And then there are people who fall more on the dark side than the light. Nobody is truly center. Or if you are, it's not, you know, you're, you're outnumbered. <laughs> mm-hmm. So it's, it's, it's that thing, you know, with great power comes great responsibility. And... Uh, yeah, I agree. Yeah, that's that's how it's that's how it starts. That's how the cycle starts. Yeah, just going on uh, from what I Kiss said. About By the way, I'm I'm kissed. Ian yeah. is kissed. That's my. We met in a video game. Yeah, that's my so, handle. So if you if you hear him reference that, mm-hmm. that's me. <laughs> uh, but um, going on what he said, and then on to the question about you know the great power and all that stuff. Um, I would honestly uh, look at three prominent members of the order, or in past and in or just in history in general and uh but uh, i would say uh plo koon qui-gon jinn and um 
honestly, it would also reference Revan too, but uh, mostly on someone like Plo Koon who, uh, in Legends, because I, I don't know if it's officially canonized yet or not, uh, he was one of the uh, members in the Jedi Order who learned um, a form of a Force Light, you know, a Force force Lightning, but in a more of a, uh, a light side way, which was called Electric Judgment, but it wasn't, it it was an ability that he acknowledged that the only time to use it was, you know, at a key moments in which he believed that it was right to use it. But there was no other options. There was sort of when there was no other options on the table, and if he deemed it right. But uh, Plo Koon was more of the Jedi Master that believed um, certain actions that. Certain actions uh, that Jedi make are, are always based on situation, and if the situation call call for him to be more affirmative and more direct, then he would proceed and do so. But if he saw the situation can be talked out, like for example, when um, when Boba Fett was um, holding someone hostage, and he you know knelt down and talked to him peacefully and s- said that. People are going to die. Please give me the location. And he, you know, he didn't use any type of force. He made Boba make the right decision. And from then uh, then on there, he proceeded to uh, go to his objective and complete whatever he needed to do. Yeah, it's it's important to realize that even though that the, the Jedi, you know, people like to lump all the Jedi into one group of... We're you know you're all a bunch of pious monks with too many rules and that's why you're you're bad and it's important to realize that even within its own members there were many different kind of ideas and philosophies about the force. Qui Gon Jinn's a great example. Plo Koon's another great example. You know it just it it the, I could talk about that for years. Mm. I'm sure I will in a later episode. But yeah, very very good point. Um, real, real quick before we, I mean, we could talk about this and go on and on and on. Uh, I think, but I think. Well, we why s- do that when we can save it for another episode? I agree. I agree. <laughs> uh, we can. We can. Uh, we'll, we'll pick up this discussion uh, another time. I'd like to go into some of the the force, the more forcey aspects of it. I think we leaned a little political this time. Yeah. Um, maybe we'll get a little bit more of that. You know, Ray's got them books. Uh. From the, from the tree, the sacred texts. We don't know that she can read, though. Yes, we can. It might be an old basic. Okay, oh. I, I know she can read <laughs> what? because she flies ships that have readouts. I will concede she might not be able to read what's in those. They books. may be in High Galactic, which is just English. Which is just English. You know, even if she can't read them, like Yoda said, they're not really page. Maybe she can. Force, force read them. That is an ability, actually. I know it is. Yeah, that's why I'm sad. Mm-hmm. You say words, <laughs> and it's probably just going to be a force ability. Yeah, I want to. I want to thank you and Kai for uh, taking my questions and not nerd raging on them. That truly wasn't the intention, uh, and I'm glad that I, I don't we think... got a good discussion out of it. Uh, behind the scenes thing is I actually had to cut Ian off from reading stuff so that we'd have content for you later down the road. Yeah, and it, <laughs> it, I was like, no, it all connects, but I can... I, I I took a minute and I realized that I can... We can turn this into another thing that's more, <laughs> that's more forced discussion-based. Well, Kai, thank you very much for being a guest on this episode. No problem. It was really good having you here. You were a surprise guest. We didn't make the decision to have you on until like 11 o'clock last night. They I- captured my Noeticon. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'd like to thank, to thank everybody for listening to this episode of Hoth Topics. We have other episodes up on our website, hothtopicspodcast.com. You can also find some articles about updates, new projects, and opinion pieces. You can also listen to us on iTunes, Google Play, and YouTube. What did you think about today's discussion? It was a doozy. <laughs> Tweet at us with at Hothpod or shoot us an email at hothpod at gmail.com. We really want to hear from you. Uh, honestly, just give us feedback because that's how we're going to get better and know that you guys are listening so i mean we can assume that if we get no feedback that we are already at the top of our game 
That's what right? I'm choosing to do now. Okay, cool. <laughs> We're on the same page. I need a little bit of validation, though. I'm that kind of diva. <laughs> so, yeah, thank you, everybody. I think the next time you hear from us, uh, May the 4th will have already passed, so I hope you had a fantastic May the 4th. I hope you've had a fantastic Revenge of the 5th. <laughs> I've been Ian. I have to go set up a studio so that we can watch movies for May the 5th, 4th. May the 5th, 4th? May, yeah, May the something, th- I don't know. Whatever. That's John. And it's Kai. Thank you very much, everybody. We will see you next time. Outro music. It's happening now. You should have done that. <laughs>